Welcome to the Main Break, the Standards Weekly Footy Podcast. This week we have Jason Maloney, president of the Old Collegians Football Netball Club, um, a very strong club in the Warrnambool and District League. And Jason or Mo uh, joins us in a, in a very um, sort of limbo land time, which, uh, yeah, we've just heard some updates from Premier Daniel Andrews yesterday in Victoria about lifting some of the lockdown restrictions. And, um, yeah, just a very warm welcome to you, Mo. Um, thanks for joining us this week. And I've got Justin McCullough-Beasy and Sean Hardiman with me. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. Firstly, I want to throw to Justine. She's probably got the latest in terms of updates from AFL Western District. Justine, do you want to tell us what you've learnt this morning? Yeah, so I guess with uh, AFL Western District, they've been having regular meetings with the leagues um, and uh, officials from the main competitions around the area just to keep them up to date. They have another one tomorrow night. I think there's also some club uh, meetings as well. Um, what comes of those at this stage is unclear because obviously everyone is waiting direction from AFL Victoria before anything can really be determined. So, yeah, we're still in that waiting game, limbo land, as you said, because until there's some protocols or anything, advice handed down from AFL Vic, um, no one can train in groups of 10 and I guess no decision can be made on whether the leagues and competitions actually go ahead this year or not. So I guess for someone like Mo, I guess it's a bit of a strange time because... You know, that May 31 deadline's coming up, and I, I suppose by then you guys would really like to know whether you're going to have any games this year or not. Yeah, yeah, certainly, guys. I, you know, we've always taken the idea that we'll wait for the advice from the powers that be. Um, we've Kylie Murphy from the District League's been really good. She's been in touch with us all the time. Just uh, give us a heads up on what we can and can't do and where we're at. Uh, and, yeah, look, hopefully we get some information later on this week, particularly about training. Uh, the, uh, the the guys and the girls are definitely keen to um, to get back into some sort of training run. Um, and, um, yeah, we hope we can get them back on the track sort of sooner rather than later. If it was to be approved for groups of 10, Jason, what's your understanding of that? Like, do you have to be at different grounds or is it just... 10 people in the forward line, 10 people in the middle of the ground, 10 people in the back line. Yeah, that's a question we've asked. Um, you know, how we sort of quantify what an outdoor space is, I think, will be important. You know, how, how many people can we have on a on a large footy oval versus a netball court? That will really determine how, you know, our coaches and our players train. You know, um, so that, that'll be an important part. And I think, from what I understand, talking to Matt Ross at AFL Western District and the Warrnambool District guys is that that will be quantified from AFL Victoria. Uh, and there'll be some pretty clear guidelines about what we can and can't do. And once we get that, we'll um, take that to our coaching group and then um, flick it to the players and hopefully, uh, yeah, we get an outcome where they can get back on the track. Yeah, you're sounding pretty optimistic there, Mo. I, I'm just... Uh... Sort of going back to um, an article we, we did collectively last week where we talked to many presidents from the Hamden and <coughs> Warrnambool and District League and they talked about how it's, uh, even if the game did get up and going again, it would be very difficult um, considering the aspect of no crowds and what comes with that, et cetera, like the lack of gate takings and canteen sales and um, beer sales, etc. As I'm saying, it sounds like you're pretty optimistic. Is that how you feel that the, the game can get up and running and even despite perhaps no crowds? I think you're talking about two different things. Uh, training and getting 
the players active is is one thing, uh, and I, I think there'll be a cohort of players everywhere that will be interested in just being fit and active again in, in a way that they normally play football and netball. I think that's um, uh, I'd be surprised if there was you know pubs where nobody wanted to have a kick of the foot or throw a netball around. So in, in terms of playing, uh, yeah, there's a lot that goes into that, and um, we, we did respond to the survey from. AFL Western District and um, and our clubs along the same line, everybody else, in that um, if we take the sort of community aspect out of footy uh, where you can, you know, watch a game before or after you play or you, you can you can hang around and support your team, if we're sort of not able to do that, it, it, makes, it, uh, it makes it difficult to be able to make a lot of things add up for footy. So uh, that, that will be really critical in terms of what we're able to do, I think, and what football looks like in terms of getting back on the field on a Saturday and, and yeah, getting a season up. So, uh, but yeah, two different things, I think. Uh, training, Tuesday, Thursday, I can tell you, you know, as, as soon as we got the go-ahead for that, I, I think we'd find a bunch of our players would want to go out there. Maybe not all of them, but uh, definitely a bunch of them would be keen, and I know the kids are. I think I'm getting more texts from... Um, from parents about when can the under-12s have a kick of the footy again. They're the ones that are really, really keen, our kids. So we'd, um, we'd love to see some sort of structure for those those crew again. Yeah, it's important to separate them. So that was a good reminder for me as well that, yeah, training and sort of, you know, gameplay are completely separate at the moment, really. So just on, on all that feedback you seem to be getting, obviously, from junior parents, split like let's say, from the, the announcement that was about 11 o'clock yesterday. How many messages and people have you had in contact with you in the last day, the last day yet? Yeah, the phone rang pretty hot. Um, and um, uh, there would have, been, would have been 10 or 15, 20 uh, different sort of uh, people just asking different sets of questions from uh, our senior playing group, asking whether that means training to... Um, to a parent of one of our Auskick kids asking whether Auskick's going to happen. So, and our answer, yeah, it was great that Kylie Murphy got on the front foot last night and all our presidents and then put the um, put the pay, put a, a post up there from the league saying, you know, sort of hold your horses a little bit. Uh, and we shared that to our group and, and said just, you know, give the powers of B, you know, time to be able to get it right. Uh I suppose the last thing we want to do is send our our club in a in a direction, and then that have to change because they didn't get the right approvals through whomever they need to. So um, I sort of hope that might come maybe later this week, early next week, and then we'll be able to work that out. But um, yeah, the phone did run hot, so there are people out there that are keen. It'll just be um, what we can and can't do will be interesting. With regards to juniors, Mo, um, we spoke spoke to some presidents last week and. They were really keen to separate juniors and seniors as well. Um, and the fact that if you can't have a senior season, is there an opportunity to have a junior season? Because crowds aren't so much of a factor and it's just more about kids having a kick. Is that something you think the District League would look into if it came to that as well? Absolutely, yeah. I, I, you're talking about two different motivations, I think. Uh, you know, the, the kids, they just want to play football and netball. That, that's what they hang out for. They just want to guard him and... And um, there's a lot less that a club needs to organise, and there's a lot less stresses with into financial, you know, uh, things that you need to generate for senior football and so on and so forth. So um, they are two different things. And uh, if we got to the point where there wasn't an appetite for 
say, senior and reserves football. Uh, but there was an appetite for in our league, under-12s, under-15s and under-18s uh, in footy and our junior netballs. We'd, we'd, we'd look at that uh, and we'd, we'd support that, I think. Um, because I, I think the motivations for our senior playing group and our, our our adult players, I think a lot of them are motivated around the community aspect of being involved in the club and hanging around and supporting your club. Whereas I think kids, they just want to play. And look, even if that manifested itself into something that wasn't as structured as a season, we'd be even interested in having a look at, you know, if um, the season didn't get up for whatever reason, you know, and we were able to organise ad hoc type games for our for our juniors or even our seniors. Yeah, that might even be an option, but I think it's going to be driven by our league and our club and hopefully everybody can get um same footing and make a decision so that we can sort of move forward with it, I think. Yeah, Mara, obviously with your club, um, you've been very sort of active on social media and you've been working with your sponsors. Um, how important have they been during this sort of time and how have you sort of adapted the way you sort of run the club through this whole virus? Yeah, it was, um, it was a bit of a... It was an interesting time when it all sort of just stopped. All the clubs are ready to go. I know that we were certainly um, looking forward to a to a big season, and then all of a sudden uh, there was no football, netball, and initially it was tough. But uh, our club doesn't exist without our sponsors, and I don't think there'd be any club out there that if sponsorship becomes zero, that they'd exist. So with our committee, there was a few suggestions about ways that we could support them through this time, uh, and we come up with the uh, we called it the Warriors Unite sponsor promo so we basically put together a um number one ticket holder for next year and our players were urged to um to go around to sponsors purchase something pop up a social media post and put the hashtag worries unite and it um it's been really successful our players have got behind it our sponsors have really appreciated it and we've actually um picked up two new sponsors in the last three weeks just off the back of it they they saw it and they thought oh well that looks like a club i want to sort of support so um we picked up avalon nursery have jumped on board uh so they've just moved to town and they saw a few social media and they're they're now a sponsor of ours which is which is wonderful uh yeah there's been a couple of others along so but really important sean i don't think um yeah as i said clubs don't exist without without sponsorships and donations and uh, i think we've done We've done a pretty good job there, I think. Yeah, you seem to be um, the club's heading in the right direction if you're getting sponsors during this time. Um, how have you sort of adapted the way the club's sort of running at the moment and, and to be able to sort of come out stronger from, from this whole virus? Yeah, we um, initially, you know, it was, it was difficult because all your structures about how you run a football club were gone. You know, you, uh, I don't think I ever envisioned running a Zoom meeting with our committee uh, and all of a sudden we had to... You know, get some decisions happening in online conferencing. Uh, so, you know, just little things. We we did a bit of training with a company from Melbourne. Um, I think it was SD Sporting Solutions. Uh, they were doing online webinars on how to um how to sort of make a, make your way through the coronavirus situation, and they were really good. Uh, we did some sort of financial modelling about what we thought a nine-week season would look like or what a no-game season would look like. And it become pretty apparent that if we did nothing uh, that uh, and we didn't get any chop-outs from anywhere financially, that uh, it might be difficult to, um, to, to get through the next 12 months. So that's what spurred us to jump on the front foot and try to 
you know, give some value to our sponsors. And it is an interesting conversation when you talk to a sponsor about sponsoring a football club with no football. So we sort of likened it to the, to the pub with no beer. But uh, they were liking what we were doing and it's resulted in, I think, will be a good outcome. But uh, we'll sort of hope our sponsors get through the next six or 12 months and all of them get back on their feet. And if we can do a little thing by looking after them, that'd be great. Yeah, it is an interesting time. It's, it's it's good to see you guys have been able to adapt and sort of learn some new things. Has there been any sort of challenges you sort of faced during that time with, with sort of adapting the way you sort of run the club? Yeah, look, initially trying to bring your club together, uh, particularly your playing groups together in a non-traditional space is difficult. I know that uh, all our coaches were juggling with the best way to be able to keep our players amused and, and engaged and and that was difficult for the first three or four weeks until we, um, you know, put a few things in place and got a bit of, you know, continuity through our playing group. And all of a sudden, uh, the boys started to latch onto a few ideas uh, that was coming out from our clubs and coaches. But that that was probably the, the hardest thing was was just getting our um, our playing group together in a online space, you know, to try to. Senior playing group's got 60 blokes in it and trying to get uh, 60 blokes, you know, um, together in one space is a challenge to itself. So I know that Nick and uh, our coaches have done a good job there. And and now, you know, it might actually be the more efficient way to actually be able to do our team meetings, for example. You know, you don't necessarily all need to be in a room up at the Davison Oval. We can do these things uh, online, video conferencing and all sorts of wonderful things. So... That's probably the silver lining is we've got a few tools that we can use now that uh, we didn't have six weeks ago. Yeah, I think all businesses, free clubs, netball clubs, everywhere need to have adapted. And it seems to, to be bringing some positives out of it, which is which is what we want to want to see. It's probably going to change the way that footy and netball runs in the future. Um, yeah, no, look, and, you know, I was even looking at it, even things like our league meetings and so on and so forth. You know, we all travel from all over the district to sit in a room to talk about league matters with the Warrnambool District League or the Hampton League or whatever league you're part of, you don't necessarily need to cover all that space anymore. Uh, maybe those sort of things can happen in an online environment and we get the same outcomes and I think everybody's got the skills now and the and the know-how, so that might be you know, a more efficient way to be able to do those sort of things. You know, we, we used to travel to Hamilton for our female football meetings because that was a central point in our district, but... While we're yet to meet with that league again, I'd imagine that some sort of conferencing like this might be a little bit more efficient than uh, covering the 200Ks on the road. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, I was just going to throw in one more there, but Mo, about uh, you mentioned that you know there's plenty of um, players uh, for both sports that want to get back involved and in, in, um, into the training aspect. I know you've played you know, uh, hundreds of games of footy and you well know what it's like to be a player. Last week we talked to Frank Mortlake's president, Dave Roberts, and he mentioned that that club has a lot of dairy farmers and people that would just really value having that social aspect back in their life for the mental health benefits. I mean, yeah. um, do you think there'll be a lot of happy faces and mental health benefits from this, um, this aspect of getting back into some training, hopefully? Oh, yeah, it's the biggest part of a football club, Brian. Like, you know, you, you sort of don't have a football club if you don't have the social side of things. It's nearly, it's you know, there's not much point in trying to gather your community together. So I think uh, that's that'll be the biggest benefit of as soon as we're able to do that for, you know, the well-being of heaps of people. 
you know, particularly, you know, your, your really regional type clubs, uh, if you do have a bunch of farmers or, or so on, that might be their major social sort of outlet. And um, at the moment, they probably don't have that or they don't have that. So you sort of realise how much you value your, your Thursday night palmer or your, uh, your beer at the footy on a Saturday when it's taken away. So, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest aspect of the whole thing is um, that as soon as we're allowed to get our community back together, it'd be wonderful. Thanks for joining us, Jason. It's been great to hear your insights on everything that's going on and fingers crossed there's some clarity in the next couple of days about whether we get some footy and netball in or not. Um, as you said, it's a bit of a bit of a strange time waiting to see what's going to happen, but um, good luck with the sponsorship drive and um, all the best for this season and the ones ahead too. Yeah, thanks, Justine. No worries, Brian and Sean. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark.